All right, and here we are, episode four of Get the People Paid, back after a crazy and wild divisional round weekend with uh, some of us making some money this weekend. If you were listening to the podcast last week, you know, my partner in crime, my brother, Jimmy, had quite a weekend last weekend. I did not have a, a bad weekend myself, but uh, on, on this week's episode, we'll not only go over what our bets were last week, what divisional weekend looked like, answer a couple questions that you might have for some of those selections look into obviously this weekend with a huge matchup with the AFC and NFC championship games. We'll break down everything from where Aaron Rodgers might be going next weekend. Bills fans clamoring over whether OT rules should be changed after that game against the Kansas city chiefs. Of course, the baseball hall of fame and the writers brought up who should be in and who shouldn't be in very controversial this past week. And of course we'll break down our selections for not only myself, Big weekend in the horse racing world with the Pegasus World Cup turf and the Pegasus World Cup is Saturday at Gulfstream Park. We'll have selections and breakdowns for that. And, of course, you see if you're watching us here on our YouTube page below, the AFC and NFC Championship lines are right there scrolling at the bottom of the screen. And we'll have those selections coming up towards the end of the show. But all of our odds that you see on there are brought to you by DraftKings. You can use that promo code 518. That will help us out a lot here on Get the People Paid and Godzilla Media to get those wagers in at DraftKings Sportsbook. And of course, for Johnstone Supply, one of our wonderful sponsors here for Godzilla Media. They do so much for us, not only for this show, but you can go to GodzillaMedia.com and find all of those shows, all 15 now. I think we just all launched another one, 16 podcasts that are here on Godzilla Media. So you can take a look at that. Johnstone Supply and Troy, one of our big sponsors. We thank them for getting us on the air every single week here for get the people paid but bro we'll start off with last weekend's divisional round games and this was a crazy weekend and and before we get into that controversial final game of the weekend let's just go up and down i'll let you brag a little bit on how uh, great a weekend you had picks um but even saturday cincinnati tennessee was a great game san fran and green bay was a big game i was really good in one of them and not so much in the other Go ahead and brag. I'll give you the floor right now. Go ahead and brag about what a great weekend you had. Listen, you know I loved I love to do my bragging. However, uh, as most betters will know, you still have to play things the right way. Uh, and I was I was there and I wasn't in the same time. So in this Bengals Titans game, loved the under forty seven and a half. Um, and if you were listening to the show last week, I also gave a score uh, and had Cincy on top with the final of twenty one seventeen. Uh, great game overall, defensive-minded. Um, I think those older football fans really enjoyed it the most, uh, but really crushed this game at that 47-and-a-half number. And I'm going to go through uh, the live lines that I was able to put in parlays <laughs> and what kind of where I went right and where I went wrong. And we started right here. Uh, in the third quarter, I had taken the under at 38 on the live line on DraftKings Sportsbook uh, to start my three-team parlay. Um, I also had the Bengals money line in a four-team parlay. So that's kind of where this Bengals-Titans game uh, started for me. I, I grabbed both of those. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I do lose my prop at here. Joe Burrow, over eight and a half rush yards. Uh, he ended the game with just five rushing yards there. Yeah, and I was pretty spot on with a couple of them, too. It was, it was great to, to have that game somewhat pegged. I, we both had Cincinnati. Loved him there. And I figured if Cincinnati's going to go, it's going to be on the back of Jamar Chase. And he had a, a big game as well. I took him over 76 and a half receiving yards. So that was a 2-0 and start for the, for the week for me. 
Now, the night game, bro, boy, did I have this one peg wrong. I thought Green Bay was going to blow the doors off the Niners, and Aaron Rodgers possibly in his last game at Lambeau Field playing for the Green Bay Packers just threw out a stinker. After that first drive, I go, boy, this is going to be great. Devontae Adams is absolutely killing it. They're going to score a ton of points. And then it just went right away. They lose 13-10 to 10 on a special teams blunder. I had Green Bay minus the 5.5. That's a loss. I took Devontae Adams to score two touchdowns. Now, granted, I a couple times played him over props for receptions and for yards live. Um, so that kind of eased the pain a little bit. But I took him at two touchdowns, and that wasn't even close. So I had a horrible, horrible late game there. Yeah, th- this was my game where I said, forget your points, forget the five and a half. I'll take my plus 190 money line. I didn't think that that game was going to go the way it did uh, for the Niners. I thought that they were uh, going to be able to put up some offensive touchdowns. That's why I had Debo Samuel as an anytime touchdown score at the minus 105. That was a loss. But plus 190 money line in both parlays. Okay, so we still both mm-hmm. have the three teamer going and a four-teamer going into Sunday football, feeling great about it. The Niners with special team, uh, getting the blocked field goal in the second quarter and the half, and then getting the blocked punt for a touchdown in the fourth quarter. And at that point, I really did feel like the 49ers had it. Once they got the blocked punt, uh, got the touchdown out of it, I just said, well, all they need is one more stop with the four and a half minutes left to play, and uh, they did it. Uh, you know, great defensive effort. Definitely weather playing a factor in that game as well. Um, so that you know, there's another reason for your under there. Um, and you know, hopefully you were able to see that early on that the weather was pretty poor and maybe picked up that live line under. Yeah, live lines are something that you know you and I have talked about an awful lot on this program the first few episodes, and that's something where if you want to follow us, you look up behind me. If you're watching us on YouTube, that's to get the people paid right there on Twitter. You can see it scrolling at the bottom of the screen as well. It's at Get People Paid, the GPNP, all capitalized on Twitter. Of course, you can follow us as well. I'm at Mariano underscore Closer. He is at Mariano underscore one two one two on Twitter for those live lines. That's where you're going to get a lot of this because we have. One episode in the middle of the week, every week to break down and kind of pick our selections. This one being taped on Thursday afternoon. And it's tough to get those same lines. So if you want to up to date, make sure you follow us on Twitter. It's the best way to find us here on Get the People Paid. Scrolling through these real quick, bro, the last two games. Uh, big one that I was all over, still all over the Rams, still have that line going to win them to win the NFC. And now they take down Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks, and I played the over in Odell Beckham Jr. receiving yards at 46.5. He eclipsed that with 69, so a start to a really, really good Sunday for me. I know this game hits you a little bit harder than it did me. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give us our win first. Uh, Tom Brady, under one and a half rushing yards. <laughs> he had one carry for zero yards. Had to love it. You know, that's basically a sack, but he got back to the line of scrimmage, so it doesn't count as a sack. Uh, th- this game hurt. Uh, had the under at 48 and a half uh, with us earlier in the week. Caught it at 48 and 47 and a half uh, by game time. Really loved the under. Uh, we were texting back and forth throughout the game, and you had asked me about uh, had I hedged 
Uh, mm. For our listeners here mm-hmm. who don't know what hedging is, if you have a parlay going, you have a bit, an ability to make a lot more money or your return on investment. I was up to around 10 to 1 to 15 to 1 odds for both of my parlays uh, and could have laid money on the over to say, hey, I'm going to come back with money no matter what. Uh, you texted me in the first quarter, said, hey, Hope you played that over. Yeah. And I said, uh, nope. I, I stuck with my under. I, I did stick to my guns. I'm not really a big fan of hedging. So I played it out. Uh, and, I, you know, unfortunately, I had to coach a little bit that day, some basketball. So I caught my phone with five minutes left in the game. The Rams were punting back to the Buccaneers with only 40 points in the game. And I'm like, I, I got it. I'm in the bag. We got it. We're good. And for you betters who uh, speak too soon, this is exactly what uh, I did. Um, you know, the, the rest is history. The, the Rams give up the 60-yard touchdown to Mike Evans. Still feeling really good about it. Three and a half minutes left in the game. Buccaneers, no timeouts. One, one first down for the Rams basically seals the game. They get a three-yard rush. And here's where I have an issue with play calling. Cam Akers, who already fumbled at, at the end of the first half, you have him motioning from outside, coming back behind uh, the quarterback to get the handoff. And I think he just gave Cam Akers too much to do. And I know he's a professional football player. It's saying too much. But give the guy the ball, get two yards, and get down on the ground. I, I can't. I will not be mad if the Rams were able to punt. There it is. If the Rams were able to punt away uh, to the Buccaneers and Tom Brady goes down, gets that game-tying drive with 30 seconds left. I can't be mad about losing the over-under that way. I will be mad, however, when Cam Akers fumbles the ball on the 30-yard line, giving one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game, uh, you know, every chance in the world to tie the game. So this is what I would call a bad beat, and and not just because of the – not just because it went over, because of the way it went over, that you have a fumble with less than two minutes and 30 seconds left in the game uh, and gives great field position to uh, Tom Brady and the Bucks to come back and tie the game, and we know where mm-hmm. it went from there. So here you go. And and not only is it the ranting and raving there of the, of the younger one on Get the People Paid of a bad beat, but not only do you have the Cam Akers fumble – you have the Cooper Cup fumble earlier as well that sets up them. Cam Akers fumbled earlier in the game as well that could have made the lead 27-3 to at half. Now, again, that would have hurt you a little bit with the score, but maybe would have forced the Rams to run the ball a little bit more throughout that second half. So, interesting. And I had someone come to me this week and say, I don't know if I trust Sean McVay to close out a game. And I go, did Sean McVay run the ball and fumble it? Did he, did he force Cooper Cup to fumble it? I'm all in on Sean McVay. I don't know if it's really his fault that this game went down to the wire like it did. But that is for you young betters out there that are still trying to learn. Make sure you hedge people, okay? It's always a way to take a profit. Don't take the loss. When you have a chance to make the profit, go ahead and do it. And, of course, that wonderful analysis that you gave us on last, last week's episode that JPP is undefeated in the playoffs – He's got seven and a half fingers and now a playoff loss. So you can try to put that one finger up with his playoff loss as the Bucks go down to hopefully, in my opinion, not to push forward with our picks, but the NFC championship Rams. We'll see as that moves on, but the late game on Sunday, bro, this one brought a lot of controversy up to the new England area for our listeners out in Buffalo and in Syracuse. I am so sorry. I gave away the Chiefs on the podcast, and don't ever do this if you're listening to us, especially me. I will call myself out on this. I called out the Chiefs and the over in the team total, so I hit both, 
and I did not play the Chiefs. I played the over in the team total, and I have a bunch of different parlays and stuff with the Bills. I got caught up in Bills Mafia, but I'll ask you to not only to recap your uh, picks on that game, bro, but the question going out to everybody this week, not only one, was that the best game that you've ever seen, one, but after the game goes into overtime, should the NFL look at considering changing the overtime rules so the Bills had an opportunity to see the ball on offense? Yeah, great question. Uh, I'll start off with how I did on this game. You know, if you, if you follow the picks, you know, throughout the weekend, uh, you want to talk about crushing it. Uh, I want to start with my prop bet here. Devin Singletary, first touchdown score, plus 850, comes down the field, gets the first one. Um, I also had Kansas City to win the game. Uh, you know, I had him at minus two. Um, but, but uh, you know, going back to that previous game, and I don't want to harp on it anymore. But if you, if you ever got crushed, <laughs> if you ever if you ever got crushed in your heart so hard that uh. you're just you want to take that break from sports, you just need to get away from the television for a little bit. That was the game for me. And when Devin Singletary scored the first touchdown, I looked down at my phone and I said, you know what's really funny? Uh, I never played it. <laughs> um, oh, I, it was just one worst. of those. It was where the the Rams and the Bucks game had got so far in my head. Uh, I had walked away from my phone and realized I never played it. And so, what seemed it, that was one of the best games of the century. Yeah, I didn't watch. Um, oh, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't bear. I couldn't bear to watch any more football on the day. But I will uh, chime in with this overtime rule. And being that, well, first, hats off, Patrick Mahomes coming down the field 13 seconds. I mean, that's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Poor defense, great offense. We know that well, the, the same, Kansas City I agree, offense not to cut you off, just, the same thing that happened in the previous game, too, where why the heck did Sean McVay allow them, whoever's the defensive coordinator, I can't think about the top of my head, is allowing Tom Brady to even go down the field as fast as he did. And the same thing happens in this game before it goes to overtime. I'm shocked. Absolutely. So going back to the ruling I, I love the rule the way it stands now. I didn't like how it was, uh, how a team could get the ball, get 30 yards, kick the field goal, and say goodnight. Football, at the end of the day, there's two sides. Actually, there's three sides, as we learned in the 49er uh, uh, Packers game with special teams. But you have to be able to play defense, and, and you're not asking for too much and holding a team to a field goal if uh, the – if the wow, if – Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense is just that good, then it is what it is. All right. Next mm-hmm. next year, Buffalo, you have your chance again. Um, I I think that Josh Allen had a great point saying, Well, if we had the ball first, then we would have we would be celebrating now. Well, you should have called tails. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. Right? Uh, you know, I understand that you're leaving it up to luck and fate at that point, but your defense has to be good enough to hold the other team to a field goal. See, I agree with you there. I feel like that the, the defense wasn't really prominent at all, obviously, in this game. You know, the final score, obviously. But Well, but that's the last the way- two minutes in the game, too. I mean, this is another game that if you have the under, you're sick seeing this final score in that last two minutes of the game. You're, you're sick watching that up and down. Now, for those that you're over betters, you love that, all right, up and down. That's what you expected the entire game. Um, but continue. Oh, it's, it's, it just comes down to, you know, being obviously lucky and knowing that on fourth and 13, when the bills are down, they go for it. And not only do they get it, but they get a touchdown. So it changes the whole landscape of what that final 
few minutes is going to be like. And then they go down and score again. And Gabriel Davis, none of us on this program, no one, anyone I follow, really had him pegging to have a huge day. But four touchdowns for that young man and, you know, 200-plus yards receiving. So that's incredible to, to see him. My question here at the end of the game is, I don't really question the overtime ruling as much as I question what the Bills were doing with 13 seconds left and you have a lead and you allow an offense that has all these weapons to run down the field for 35 yards enough to get the game into overtime because why not rush two guys? There's multiple things that you can break down here. Why didn't you kick the ball into play or squib it down the middle of the field to actually force them to field it and knock some, some time off the clock. One, two, why are you only rushing four guys rush two? have Patrick Mahomes run around for eight, nine seconds to try to throw the ball down the field. I know they have three timeouts, but if he has to throw to five receivers with nine guys covering and coverage, good luck with that. That is a terrible way to lose a game, and it's on the defensive coordinator. It's on Sean McDermott. There's no chance in the world this game should have even went to overtime. So I agree with you. I don't think we should change the rule because of bad play calling by the defensive coordinator and the head coach of the Bills. And I'm sorry, Bills fans. I know you felt a lot of pain already this week, but that is just terrible coaching at the end of that game when your quarterback brings you back into this game and ties it and gives you an opportunity and takes the lead with 13 seconds left. That's just terrible, terrible coaching right there. And honestly, you deserve to lose once you get in overtime if that's the case. And I get it. Bills fans are mad because they want an opportunity to touch the ball. And this game could have went 140 to 130 if they kept doing that. But here's the thing. The rule is good the way it is. Just play defense. That's what it comes to at the end of the day. So that is us ranting and raving here a little bit about the divisional weekend. Hopefully you guys were able to cash in some bets, make some money. But there's been a few things that have been happening this week, and there's ways to wager on it. That's why you're listening to Get the People Paid, because there's ways to make money off of everything. And the question is this week, now that the Packers are done, where is Aaron Rodgers going? Where's he bringing Devontae Adams? So we have odds. We're here on Get the People Paid. We have odds and where we think he's going to go. And obviously the favorite, bro, is him going back to the Green Bay Packers, right where he's been. They win the division every single year. You can get them right now at minus 110 if you wanted to go online and try and grab that at minus 110. Here are some other ones to consider if you don't want that at low odds. You can grab the Denver Broncos, who just today, as we are taping this podcast, hired the offensive coordinator for the Green Bay Packers as their next head coach. Hmm? Aaron Rodgers, are you interested for your offensive coordinator? You get them right now at plus 150. You can get the Pittsburgh Steelers with the news today of Ben Roethlisberger retiring. He's done after 18 years in the league. And, of course, we, we can talk about how great that quarterback class is with Rivers, Manning, and Roethlisberger, one of the best we've ever seen. They are 3-1. to one. Two big ones now, the San Francisco 49ers, who now that they're in the NFC Championship game, I know there's questions about Jimmy Garoppolo, but they have Trey Lance, seems to be a bit of a long shot there, 7-1. to one. And the Indianapolis Colts, what's going to happen with Carson Wentz? They have Jonathan Taylor. That could be an interesting play at 11-1 to one as a long shot here in these selections. Bro, Aaron Rodgers done. Where do you think he's going next year? I don't think he goes back to Green Bay. I think that there are too many questions uh, and too many issues between him and Matt LaFleur to come back to Green Bay. 
in all honesty, I think it'd be a great fit in Pittsburgh. Uh, the fact that they have all those weapons out there, um, especially with Najee Harris as well. So, you know, you have the great running back and a great pass catcher as well out of the backfield. Uh, I think that that is the best fit. I know that, uh, you know, you're liking the Broncos there a little bit with a, you know offensive coordinator heading over to Denver, but, I love value, and I would rather uh, a three-to-one odds on him going to a place with weapons, with a decent coaching staff, uh, you know, and, and weapons in the backfield as well. That I'd rather take the three-to-one than the plus one fifty um, for an up-in-the-air bet. Yeah, this one's interesting to me because I kind of try to look at if you're Aaron Rodgers, what the comments he made after the losses. I don't want to go anywhere and rebuild. So which one of these teams do you feel like is ready to bring him and most likely someone like Devontae Adams because he has been very outspoken about playing with Aaron Rodgers for the rest of his career. So not only do you have to afford what the salary is going to be for Aaron Rodgers, but you have to afford either franchise tagging or if that's in Green Bay's case, what franchise tag at Devontae Adams at $22, $23 million and see if Aaron Rodgers would restructure or what they would get in the open market, would they be willing to take a little less to play together in a situation like Pittsburgh, where you have, in that division, play teams the like of the Ravens, and now Cincinnati, who's very good, Cleveland, who's somewhat okay. I'm a little bit afraid there to go to that division. If you look at the AFC West, yes, there's some young gunslingers out there with you know Carr and Herbert, but that just seems like a division that I can kind of sink my teeth into if I can go up in the thin air with Devontae Adams and an opportunity to more than likely – people forget this isn't something Aaron Rodgers can just get up and leave. The Packers have to be okay with letting him go. So they might say, Aaron, we'll let you go if it's an AFC opponent. Notice three of these four other teams are AFC opponents because they're not going to let him walk across to Minnesota or to Chicago. So I think I'm going to go the other way here. I know it's a little bit less of an odds. I'm taking half the hit there. But I think Denver with the move today is a big deal. I think they're trying to lure him out there with Devontae Adams. So it, staying away, if you like him in Green Bay, Green Bay fans, it's possible. But right now we're both going other ways. I'm going to take the plus 150 of the Denver Broncos. You're going to take the plus 300 with the Pittsburgh Steelers. As we move on, you're listening to Get the People Paid here on Godzilla Media. You can catch us on Apple, Spotify right here. On YouTube, as Jimmy tries to put the lights on so you can actually see him as he moves out and we move on to other analysis here. And, and there's two things I want to hit there because there's a couple things coming up. Uh, a couple more topics. One I didn't hit at the top, bro, was um, something that's still alive for me. And I know that you found some interest in some bets that are going to go on later tonight. I mean, we're taping this middle of the afternoon. This is going to be something that's happening late at night. But in the afternoon over in Melbourne, Australia. And I gave you on last week's episodes, I hope people jumped on on DraftKings Sportsbook, was Rafael Nadal to win the Australian Open. He is playing in the semifinals tonight. That will go off at 10.30 Eastern time as he will take on Mario Berrettini in the semifinals. The other one is Stefano Tsitsipas and Daniel Medvedev in the semifinals. That will go on at 3 o'clock in the morning, nighttime over on Friday night in Australia. Bro, I'm sitting right now with Rafael Nadal. If you want to jump on DraftKings Sportsbook, you can grab him at 225, plus 225. I got him last week 4-1 to one live, 7-1 to one the uh, time the news broke of Novak Djokovic not playing. 
you have an interest in this match, though, tonight. That's something you play in the match. Yeah, uh, Berrettini and Nadal over 38 and a half games at minus 135. If you go and look at DraftKings Sportsbook, that will give you that over under for not only games but sets. Uh, and they're giving you over three and a half sets at minus 190. So really, uh, Vegas is feeling that this game has to go to at least four sets, if not a five setter. I do expect this to be a back and forth uh, battle between the two. Hopefully, for your sake, Nadal is coming out on top. Uh, but love this uh, over 38 and a half games at minus 135 odds. Uh, once again, that's 10.30 p.m. tonight, uh, Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, and, and for a match of, you know, obviously follow tennis much more than the average, uh, you know, viewer watching the, the match the other night in the quarterfinals. And Nadal went five sets, and he won the first two easily. And then had a little bit of an issue with the heat down there in Melbourne and, and was able to kind of gut through that fifth set. He gets two days off. Can he bounce back in a way that is allowing him to not only get through Barantini, but then waiting for one of the two, either Tsitsipas or Medvedev is going to be pretty tough. But if you can grab those odds right now, I would grab them. And, of course, if you like the over in that play right there, 38 and a half games, you should definitely look at that in three and a half sets for tonight's matchup with Rafael Nadal and Mario Barantini. But, bro, I know that we've talked about a lot before we get on to the conference championship picks. Um, a couple things happened this week. I'll break down the Pegasus World Cup here in just a couple moments. But um, this week, the writers, the baseball writers of America came out and on the ballot for the final time were the likes of Barry Bonds. First time is David Ortiz, Roger Clemens. Alex Rodriguez jumped on for the first time, and the final one's for Kurt Schilling. Um, are you upset with what the writers did here, or are you upset with the Baseball Hall of Fame allowing them? Because the way I'm looking at this is the Hall of Fame is allowing the writers to decide with their moral compass, is this why I'm not voting for this player or not? Not just the stats, but what the, they are as people. Do you think that is blamed on the writers themselves for casting these votes or keeping these guys in or out or on the Hall of Fame for giving them that type of power? I don't think it's anybody's fault. I love the fact that the writers have this responsibility. Um, I am a little shocked uh, that the moral compass hasn't changed even a little bit in all the years uh, that they've been, you know, uh, you know, putting people into the Hall of Fame. I did expect to see Barry Bonds uh, inducted in. Uh, but I'm not upset that he wasn't. Uh, as long as things are staying the same way, um, things don't change down the future because you have to look down the line. If somebody gets caught in the near future and then the moral compass change and somebody is inducted, are you going to go back and allow these other players uh, to go back onto the ballot? And I don't think that they'll allow that. So as long as things are staying the same, that moral compass hasn't changed, I'm okay with not allowing them in. Um, David Ortiz, that was the big name that people, e even as a huge Yankee fan, I, I do like that uh, Big Poppy was inducted in. And the reason for that is one of his teammates was interviewed uh, on him being inducted. Uh, and the, the question came out about him being tested for PEDs. And he said after that had happened, 
he was tested more than any other player that he had ever seen before to the likes of two to sometimes three times a week when some players were tested three times throughout the course of the entire season and he had never been given another positive test. Is that different from some of the other character, uh, some of our other players? Maybe not. Uh, but I am okay with the decision that was made by both the Baseball Hall of Fame and uh, our sports writers uh, and their decisions that they made as to who was inducted. Well, I, all right. So I guess we'll, we'll, we'll agree to disagree here because I was on that when this first came out and broke years ago with the Balco scandal, then the Mitchell report. And I'm thinking if anyone's cheating, there's no way they should be, ever be in you know, the Baseball Hall of Fame. Here's where I have a problem with that. Down the line, okay, whenever you go to the Baseball Hall of Fame, the way that you described it was, what if the moral compass changes? Well, right now, we are hosting a podcast about gambling, for sports gambling, while the NFL and Major League Baseball are promoting gambling sites during their games. So someone like, I don't like to jump on the Pete Rose thing. Guys will kill me for bringing in Pete Rose. But in this relevance, it makes a lot of sense. Because if our moral compass has changed on gambling, there's a reason that someone like Pete Rose should be in the Baseball Hall of Fame. Now, down the line, our moral compass might change. And now we look at people who are taking, you know, amphetamines or whatever other type of steroid that you want to look at. Things change in baseball. The issue that doesn't change for me is the way that baseball writers, especially the older ones, look at baseball. Okay? So we look at the Black, Black Sox scandal 100 years ago, and our moral compass has changed. So guess what? In my opinion, you can't tell the history of baseball if they're not in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It is a museum. Okay? If you want to bring a whole thing where there's a huge needle in the beginning of the, um, the part of the museum with all these guys' name on it, feel free. Because it doesn't make any sense to me that someone like Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens or any one of these guys, whether it's Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, Paul Merrill, any of these guys, you look at their numbers, and who's to say they're not facing a pitcher who is doing the same thing? A la Andy Pettit, many of these other guys that have come out that have been doing steroids for whatever purpose they were doing them for. I have an issue with not putting the best players that play the game of baseball in the Hall of Fame. You walk in there and you say, who has the most home runs in baseball history? Sorry, son, he's not in here because he was caught taking steroids, which he wasn't, but we all know he was, he was juicing. It is what it is. I have an issue with not only the Hall of Fame here because they are putting this on the writers to make sure that they know, hey, it's up to you to choose whether you feel like this guy is morally obligated to get in or not. And then I hate the writers who – don't want to keep them in because, oh, it's first ballot. The same thing they did with Jeter. They didn't bring him in unanimously, as we all thought he would. David Ortiz, no doubt, should have went in this year. That's an easy one. It just doesn't make any sense for me to allow now the Veterans Committee to put them in when I think, in my opinion, they should be in no matter what. It's, this is something that really kind of fires me up because baseball is so ingrained in history and numbers, and if you cannot find a way to put – the players that are on the top of all of these, then what do these numbers actually mean? So it's just something that's really kind of hit home to me. And, and I get, I get where other people are coming from. That's just something that, you know, I never thought I'd bring up Pete Rose ever on this podcast, but here I, here I am 
the week of, of the Hall of Fame induction, and then there we are bringing up someone like Pete Rose. So yeah, I just I just think that the the, the when you know when I talked about that moral compass, I think it changes a little bit when you're talking about the professional athlete that is already in the game, uh, being able to you know, bet on games. And I understand he was never betting against it, you know, betting against himself or anything like that. But uh, our compass as viewers is a lot different from the compass of the players that are actually in the game uh, and where they're going with it. So that that's why what I'm saying there is just uh, as a viewer from the outside, I'd rather, I want to believe that all of that is all in good. Uh, but it's unfortunately we know it's oh, not. You are naive. Uh, I just want to be. I want to be on the right side of it, right? I just want to be on the right <laughs> side of it. You you are naive as a young man, and I think as as we move on and we all get older, we realize that there is always something going on, no matter what it is in these sports. You just hope that you're on the right side of, it. especially for this podcast. You're on the right side of actually making money on it. You're listening to get the people paid here on Godzilla Media again, Apple Podcast, Spotify, right here, and our YouTube page as well. You can find us on Twitter as it's seen scrolling at the bottom of the screen at Get People Pay the G P N P are capitalized. And you can find these selections for Saturday, bro. I know you're not really into the horse racing quite yet. It's just beginning of the year. There's starting with some of these prep races for the Kentucky Derby. We had one last week down um, in Louisiana. We'll have a couple more as these months go on. But this is a big weekend at Gulfstream Park, the $3 million Pegasus World Cup. $1.5 million Pegasus World Cup turf. And I'll break down both of these real quick for you before we move on to our picks for the weekend because I know that's what people want to hear before. The Degenerate Horse Players, this goes as race 11, a grade one, down at Gulfstream Park, a mile and an eighth on the turf. And a couple of shots here I like a little bit. The inside horse, uh, Space Traveler, I thought had quite a chance here for Jamie Spencer, Brendan Walsh trained, had a nice trip last time out. And I think we'll set a tremendous trip here on the rail and you're getting great value at 12 to one. These are horses I would use in just doubles. If you want to play both um, the turf and um, the Pegasus world cup. Cause I think the, the world cup's gonna be a little bit chalky, but we'll see here as we look through this turf race, other ones I would use Dan Blacker's trains hit the road. The number five, he's eight to one Tyler Gaffleone who knows this track inside and out has been riding incredibly well down at Gulfstream park. I would use him as well. Colonel Liam is kind of a play against for me. He's three and one favorite and Todd Pletcher. I read Ortiz. I understand people are going to look that way. I'm going to look to the other Todd Pletcher runner. I know it's tough on the outside post here, but never surprised seven to two, um, a three-year-old for constitution Rapoli stables. I think this horse has a heck of a chance and the eight sacred life, Chad Brown, and Jose Ortiz for Michael Dubb. Can't leave him off the ticket. So five I like in this first race. Use the one, Space Traveler, the five, hit the road. The eight, Secret Life. A little bit of a shot I'll throw you here for the fifth. That uh, Number seven, Doswell. That's Barkley Tag, trainer of Tis the Law and Junior Alvarado. And then we'll use Never Surprise, seven to two on the outside. And the 12 horse at seven to two. The Pegasus World Cup Invitational. Nick's go, who's one the Breeders' Cup Classic uh, earlier in November. One I would look at here that, for me, the inside draw was tremendous for him. He ends up getting Joel Rosario back, coming off that little bit of a layoff, and you're 6-5. to five. I get it. You don't want to go anywhere near 6-5. to five. 
but I think he has the inside post. The rail has been golden down there at Gulfstream Park. I think he goes to the lead. Life is good coming off the Breeders' Cup dirt mile win. Most likely with Irad Ortiz, Todd Pletcher train will go and sit right next to him. This is not the analysis you want to hear because you want to see, give me some long shots, give me something that I can use. I don't think there is one in here. These are the two best horses in the race. The question for me, can life is good run the mile and eighth that he's never done before. He won the mile on the 16th um, at Santa Anita and his third start won there. I don't know if he can go with the caliber of Nick's go. Who's the best horse in the world right now. I don't know if he can go a mile and eighth. Nick's go cuts back to the mile and eighth after the mile and quarter breeders cup classic. I think this is one, two. I know you hate the chalky exactas. Try to play all in that last spot or maybe see if you can get an all in the second spot for uh, triples. But I think Nixco wins the Pegasus World Cup. I think life is good, run second, or you can try and find a bomb to run second behind Nixco. I think they run easy fractions up top. They, they pick them up, put them down right at the quarter pole, and it's them two to the wire. I think Nixco ends up holding on and taking the Pegasus World Cup. Bro, a little bit of selections there. I know people don't like long shots. Once we get closer to the triple crown races, the prep races, we'll break those down a little bit more and we'll give you some full selections on those races. We both go back and forth, but what people want to hear, bro, are these picks. I know we have some updated ones from last week. We have, uh, I'll just go over some of our records quickly here, uh, for the playoffs right now. Uh, I'm 11, eight and one. Um, I'm up seven and a half units because of, we had that big play with Dak Prescott as an anytime touchdown scorer in the wild card round. And this past week went six and two with uh, we're plus four units. So not a bad uh, playoff so far for me. I know you're coming off a tremendous week. So those numbers got to be somewhere up there for you as well. Yeah, overall, uh, between both weeks in the playoffs, I'm 10 and eight overall in the NFL, but plus 10 units uh, because of that big Devin Singletary play. Uh, so plus 10 units, ginormous, okay? Uh, you $10 betters are up over 100 bucks, mm -hmm. uh, and you $100 betters are up over 1000 okay? That's how that's working. Uh, so great start to the NFL, which really wasn't that good to me throughout the regular <laughs> season. So whole season trying to give me my money back, and I love every bit of it. No doubt about it. And that a lot of people will have action on these games. So the lines tend to stay. You don't see too many big jumps in lines because Vegas understands that there's a lot of money coming in for conference championship. And then, of course, next week, we'll have a little bit of a different episode for you with the Pro Bowl. I don't really dabble too much into that. I know Jimmy's quite a degenerate. He might have some selections for you in that as well. But we'll <laughs> see. We'll see what next week brings because we have two weeks away from the Super Bowl in Los Angeles. And we'll start with – the first game on Sunday, 3 o'clock, AFC Championship game, Cincinnati Bengals going to Kansas City. Kansas City, a seven-point favorite here. Live, we have that at minus 115 on DraftKings Sportsbook. The over-under is a huge number, 54 and a half. They expect a lot of numbers here, and especially after that Bills game last week. Who's to blame them? Because I think Burrow and Mahomes will be throwing it all over the lot. Bro, you got the hot hand here. I'll let you start. And where are we going here? We're going to go pick for the game. And I want two props that you like so we can get some more money for the people out there. Seven points is a lot to be giving a Bengal team that is this hot and beat the Kansas City Chiefs in that last game of the regular season. However, I can't touch it. I will not play against Patrick Mahomes, and I will be touching that huge number at 54 and a half, and I'm playing that under there. 
Uh, it's just too many points for me. Uh, and if you ask me, it shouldn't have gone over in that last uh, Bills, Buffalo, Kansas City game. So I'm going to be going with the under at 54 and a half. If that's going to be happening, I expect more running. I don't expect it from Kansas City, so I need to see it from the Bengals, uh, which is going to lead me into my prop bets. Joe Burrow didn't get me my over in rushing yards last week. I'm coming back to him. It's actually up another yard, so it's not eight and a half. It's over nine and a half rushing yards at minus 105. Uh, and Joe Burrow will not only be running for that first down, he will be running right into the end zone at any time mm-hmm. touchdown score at plus 550. I think that's a great number for him. And if they are expecting a high-scoring game, this could be an expectation that, hey, back and forth, your prop bets are great to hit overs here and over games. So if you do like the over, you can play another anytime touchdown score. But I expect Joe Burrow to be using his feet more in this one. And I want him at the anytime touchdown score at plus 550 and over nine and a half rushing yards. Yeah, and that's that's a great point, bro, because if you see a high over-under total, you look at Vegas, they expect over-unders. And if there's more points, more opportunities for touchdowns. So I agree with you for looking for any time touchdown scorers there. You can grab some, find some great value, especially the issue we talked about in last week's podcast is with Kansas City, there's so many weapons. So you kind of kind of find one or spread over a couple to see if they're going to score those four to five touchdowns. Last week I went over team total. That looked phenomenal. And, of course, forced the game to go over. I can't stay at that over-under number. I, I still think that there's going to be points scored in this game because I don't know if Cincinnati's going to be able to run it with Mixon. And if they can't, I think especially with Burrow, can he get the ball off? Nine sacks last week with Tennessee. That really scares me. And I think Kansas City's just as good up front. So if that's the case, I'm going to go with Kansas City here. I think they cover the seven points. I think they're the better team. Even at minus 115, you might be able to move this spread. I, I, and again, I know that you don't like big spreads in big games like this, but Mahomes has been there. This team is just on fire, clicking on everything they could on the offensive cylinders. I'm going to take minus seven. You can even move this to minus nine and a half, maybe 10 if you want to grab more points. I just don't know if Cincinnati can really hang with this team. For me, two props that I like. I'm going to pick one of the Kansas City people here. I'm going to go with Travis Kelsey. Most reception yards in the game. Okay, receiving yards in the game, plus 450. Cincinnati gives up a lot to tight ends. I think that they'll try and slow down Tyreek Hill, see if anyone else can try and beat him. If that's the case, I will take Travis Kelsey. You get four and a half to one. I'm going to throw a unit on that, no doubt about it. I think he has a chance to have a big game against Cincinnati this weekend. I'm also going to take the over in Patrick Mahomes' completions. That's 25 and a half. I know it's high. It's pretty high for a quarterback. But I don't know how much they're going to hand it to Clyde edwards layer. This is a team almost like Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers where they tend to run the ball by throwing. It's very Bill Belichick-like where it's wide receiver screens, it's dump off it's in the flat, it's four-yard hitches. So I think ultimately that's going to be the case here, and I like the over in completions for Patrick Mahomes in this game. So I'm taking Kansas City. You can even move that line up if you want even more, but I like a minus seven. Kelsey, if you get it on DraftKings right now, he's plus four and a half or four and a half to one um, for most receiving yards in this game. And then, of course, the over in Mahomes completions is 25 and a half. Game number two, the NFC Championship game coming up at 630. 
And this one is a divisional rivalry that has been going on for quite some time, San Francisco and the Rams. And San Francisco's had the number so far this year, 2-0 and against the Rams, but really hard to beat a team three times in one year. Rams, three-and-a-half-point favorites. This over-under, not as much, 45-and-a-half for the NFC Championship game. I'm not sure where you're going here, bro, because this one is very interesting to me. I don't know if I can touch this over-under. Where are you going to go here? Well, I don't know if that hook is going to scare you or not uh, away from your own team, but I do love the under. Conference championships under weekend, baby, okay? And I know as betters we hate I'm supposed to, to be the, the guy of unders. Wait a second. No, I'm the no, guy no, of unders no, on this that podcast. Was, that what was a this? couple weeks ago. A couple weeks ago. We under under 45 and a half. Hammer that bad boy. Uh Number one, I have to applaud your Rams defense a little bit, okay? Obviously, they let the Bucs back into it. But the Bucs offense is a lot different than this 49er offense, okay? Even though Debo Samuel could not give me my touchdown last week. All right, uh, under 45 and a half and going with that, Jimmy Garoppolo, under one and a half touchdown passes, okay? Uh, if the Niners are going to stay in this game, they are going to have to run this ball, uh, under one and a half touchdown passes at minus 125 for my first one. And I am going to go with your Rams here. Uh, Tyler Higby, anytime touchdown scorer mm -hmm. at plus 210. Uh, I think that the tight ends are a great look in this game. Uh, Higby was a valuable part of this offense throughout most of last season. Uh, I think that he gets some touches in this game. And at plus 210 to just get one touchdown any point in this game, the Rams are going to be able to put up some touchdowns. Uh, I just still think that there's going to need to, they're going to need to run the ball down there, run some clock off, and hopefully Cam Akers does not fumble the football. So much eagerness there. I know you get kind of sweating out that game as much as I was last week with, with Cam Akers fumbles twice. Then, of course, the, the fumble by Cooper Cup that we uh, talked about at the beginning of the podcast. For me, I don't care about no hook. I love the Rams in this game. You got to be kidding me. The, the Niners get by Green Bay on special teams. They can't score. Jimmy Garoppolo throws it to the, the wrong team all the time. I, I expect this game to have some more points than 13-10 against the, uh, the Packers, as well as um, the Niners defense has been playing. Who are you going to stop on this offense? Cooper Cup? Odell Beckham Jr.? Tyler Higby? I know one person that's not going to get the ball, and that is Cam Akers. That will get to my prop bets in just a minute. But I'm not afraid of the hook here. Give me the Rams minus three and a half. I think they cover. I might even move this one to six or seven because I think they dominate this game, and I think I love Kansas City. What would be more exciting than Kansas City and the Rams going into the Super Bowl? Take a look at that, what that live over-under might be. That's got to be 56 maybe. Oh, the wow, the, N the NFL loving something and it coming oh. true? No yeah. way. Yeah, exactly. Don't don't fight it. You're still young and now you don't fight it. Just go with the corporation. Let them make you money. Don't fight it. And if I'm looking at two things here in this game, one of two things that I like, the Rams three and a half, and I love the under and rushing receiving yards for Cam Akers. He's in the doghouse, baby. McVay has been killing him all week in practice saying, you don't know how to hold on to the ball. They called Tiki Barber and said, come here and help this kid try to hold on to the football because he doesn't know what he's doing. So you really think he's going to get those touches late in the game if this game's close? Absolutely not. It's going to be Cam Akers under 86 and a half rushing and receiving yards. That is way too high for a guy that fumbled twice last week. I understand that they can dump off, but guess what? Sony Michelle, buddy, 
Come on in. Come over. You know how to be a part of a team that can win a Super Bowl. Come on in and help us out. Maybe he'll get more of the touches this week. One thing that helped me hit a same-game parlay last weekend was the over for Matthew Stafford completions. I'm going to go with a completion prop in both of these games. I bet the over in Mahomes. Give me the over for Matthew Stafford as well. 23 and a half. They love to throw the ball. He might have 15 or 16 by halftime. The only thing I might be worried about here is if my projection is true that they cover by a decent amount is that they're up by too much and they want to start running the ball with Sony Michelle. That's where I could get hurt here. I ultimately think that San Fran will be able to score some points. So I, I ultimately would look at the over in this game. I know you like the under because both teams running the ball. I think San Fran's going to think they have to score. So you'll see a lot of moving Debo Samuel around, wide receiver, running back, different plays like that. So I think they're going to be able to score, and I think the Rams will be able to score as well. So for me, love the Rams. Might even consider moving that line. Again, for these live picks, you can get them on Twitter. As you see scrolling at the bottom of the page, at Get People Pay, the G, P, and P are capitalized. I'm going with the Rams. Under rushing receiving yards for Cam Akers. And, of course, the over for Matthew Stafford completions. And, bro, that will put a bow tie on episode number four here. We're getting ready for conference championship weekend. We wish you all the best of luck in all of your plays as well. Maybe we won't be stupid and we'll actually play our own plays on here that we should have as opposed to getting all upset. Yeah, put your hand on your forehead like you should. <laughs> How dare you not play that? My goodness. Anyway, we appreciate you guys listening. Plus 850. Yeah, plus 850. <laughs> we don't play those here on, on this program, apparently. So uh, make sure you guys download, subscribe, like, review, anything you can. Push it out to your friends. We appreciate you guys listening this and every single week here. Best of luck for camp, uh, Conference Championship weekend, and we will see you next week here on Get the People Fade. For Jimmy Mariano, I'm Brian Mariano. Thank you guys for listening and watching here. Make sure you check us out on all those platforms, and we'll see you again next week here on Get the People Paid.